Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show on this hump day. January the 12th, 2022, 802 on your Tucson morning. I am Jeff Dean here with you. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you tuning in to the, uh, the Jeff Dean Show. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And even if you're listening via the, uh, the, the podcast and all the wonderful technologies that we have, and you can listen in the future. Uh, from what I'm talking right now, which is really cool stuff. You can download the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, whether it be Apple, Amazon, Audible, TuneIn, Stitcher, um, all the different places you get your podcast. You can download it there and listen at your leisure. Uh, plenty of topics still to get into in this hour number two. We're going to keep it local for a little while because, you know, hey, that's what we do. And not to mention, there is lots of local stuff to talk about. Thankfully, the football team is keeping us all on our toes right now as head coach Jed Fish continues to send out his tweets, whether it be the dancing cacti that uh, I didn't realize there are that many dancing cactus gifts out there that uh, you could post on the Internet. But nonetheless, he's found maybe all of them, or he has somebody creating them for him. I don't know. Uh, And then his... His transfer, uh, you know, the the sign language video gif that he's been using lately as well, and that's been blowing up. We'll talk about their latest transfer coming up in just a little bit. Arizona men's basketball has the number six team in the country, depending on if you care about the AP poll or not. If you don't care about the AP poll, they have the number two Ken Palm uh, team in the country, the number four Sagarin team in the country, and oh, I'm sorry, the number two Net team in the country. Number four, Ken uh, Sagarin. Number eight, Ken Palm team in the country. So, those are the the rankings that I like to uh, that I like to look at. Regardless, they're really good, and we know that they're one of only seven one loss teams in the country, which is the fewest uh, amount of losses now that there are that both the unbeaten teams were beaten yesterday. Certainly, one of the top teams in the country. Every bracketologist has them as a solid number two seed and a, a high-ranking two-seed to where they're getting in the West where they won't have to travel. I think San Diego is the first destination in the West, so that would be a wonderful uh, destination for the Wildcats. They're maybe the most exciting product in college basketball to watch them play the way that they get up and down the floor on offense and the way that they play a tenacious defense as well as one of the uh, – they're the only school in the country, the only team in the, in the country that has a top-10 offense and a top-10 defense. They're athletic, they block a lot of shots on defense, and they like to get out and run, throw alley-oops, lots of dunks, lots of fun, three-point shots. They're an exciting team to watch. So why are the players and the coaches pleading with fans to come to the McHale Center to watch them play? Does Arizona basketball have an attendance problem? Kirk Creesa tweeted out, point guard Kirk Creesa tweeted out the other day, I didn't come to Arizona to play in front of less-than-packed houses. Please come to McHale Center Thursday night for the Colorado game, which starts at 9 p.m. Not exactly the the uh, the the best hour for going out to watch a basketball game on a Thursday night in Tucson, Arizona. Starts at 9 o'clock. Like it, it, schedulers didn't do us any favors on that one, even though it's a big matchup against Colorado. Mm, 9 p.m. Not so sure. 
So I started to do some some research. And, you know, does Arizona have an attendance problem based on what we've seen in the past? McHale Center has been a sold-out venue. And listen, you can you can listen to the hyperbole all you want. McHale Center does not sell out every game. And they haven't sold out every game in a season for quite some time. It's been a long time since the McHale Center was full every single game. And even those... You know, back in the 80s and the 90s, when they were selling out, you know, 15,000 tickets, for 15,112 tickets every game, uh, they weren't getting it for Grand Valley State in, you know, in early November. Just They weren't getting that. Um, you know, those numbers get inflated and things like that. And it was, look, the crowds are still great. And the crowds are still great at the McHale Center. But apparently the team feels like maybe they're not. And I have... Listen, I have several theories, and I wanted to kind of do a deeper dive into this to see if I could back up my theories and my opinions with facts, with with numbers. And here's what I found. So the McHale Center, uh, with its capacity of 14,545 seats, okay, ranks 41st in the country in terms of total capacity, in in terms of the, the largest basketball venues for college basketball in the country, Carrier, Carrier Dome is number one by a, a million. It's, it's thirty over thirty five thousand people. Uh, Louisville is second with twenty two thousand. So you can see there's there's a big difference there. North Carolina's uh, arena is huge, where the Wildcats got their one and only loss this year at Thompson Bowling Arena in uh, in Knoxville. That place holds twenty two thousand people. It's massive. Um, Obviously, Rupp Arena in Kentucky is huge, and there's some other big venues across the country. Arizona right now, the McHale Center, is 41st in the country in terms of capacity. Sandwiched in between the John Paul Jones Arena, beautiful new arena that Arizona helped open that first year when they went to, uh, went to, to Virginia to play the Cavaliers that opening season of uh, their new arena. Uh, they're the 40th, and then the 42nd is the uh, Hilton Coliseum in Ames, Iowa, for Iowa State Cyclones basketball. So Arizona ranks 41st. The McHale Center ranks 41st in the country in terms of capacity. Okay, Not bad for Tucson, Arizona, You know, just right around a million people. Pretty good-sized uh, arena that's been there since you know 1973. They've gone through a few renovations, including recently, that have changed the numbers a little bit. But nonetheless, it still stands true. Now, I only took the last two seasons. I, you knocked the COVID season out because there's no fans, right? No, no fans in the COVID season, so you knocked that out. So I wanted to take a smaller sample just because things have changed, right? They're, they're, when I talk about the current status of the city of Tucson and fandom and this program, I didn't want to go back too far to, like, you know, 2013, 2014. I, I wanted to kind of stay somewhat recent. So what I did is I looked at the the two seasons before COVID. So the 2018-19 and the 2019-20 seasons. In those seasons, Arizona averaged 13,714 in attendance, which is about 800 under max capacity. Now, how does that translate to the rest of the country? That 13,700 in average attendance was 21st in the nation, in, in terms of attendance. Okay, so where, you know, this this feeling is, is that, you know, McHale Center is just this, you know, massive mecca for college basketball and all this other stuff, and we lead the country in attendance every single year. Okay, 
we lead the Pac-12 in attendance every year. That's There's no doubt about that. But let's remember, there are much older and much larger regions in the country that are hosting you know, 22,000 people a night that, that Arizona is just not going to be able to contend with. There are 40 buildings in the country bigger than the McHale Center. Arizona just can't compete with that. The fact that they have the 41st largest uh, building and the 21st best attendance tells you right there that fans in Tucson are pulling their weight, like they're doing their job. The only program in the entire country over those two seasons that have a smaller arena but higher attendance, essentially a, a program that has a higher yield than Arizona. There's only one. Only one program in the country has a smaller arena and has averaged better attendance than the Wildcats have. That's Iowa State. Iowa State, their, their building, it seats 150 people fewer than the Wildcats, and their average attendance was 14,000, like right on the button. So they're getting about 300 more people per game in an arena that's 150 seats less. That is, a, that is such a negligible number. Like that is such a small amount that I wouldn't even consider it a difference. They're basically even at this point. But just because the numbers are what they are, Hilton Coliseum is 42 in the country, and Iowa State is 20th in attendance, Arizona's 41st and 21st respectively. Okay, So that's the only program in the country that is essentially doing a better job with their, with their building than the Wildcats are. Here is a list of the teams with larger arenas than the Wildcats and smaller average attendance. Tell me if you've heard of some of these schools. Virginia, Wake Forest, Utah, Wyoming, who it, it is Wyoming, but, hey, they've had a pretty good basketball program over the years. Missouri, who has struggled recently but is the, the, the crown jewel of that state as far as sports goes. Uh, in collegiate sports, M- Mizzou College basketball is huge in Missouri. They can't draw people. Penn State, Alabama, New Mexico, Illinois, South Carolina, BYU, St. John's, and Georgetown. That is the list of programs in the country right now over the last three to four seasons. Again, throw the COVID year out. So over the last four years, okay, we'll call it that that have a larger building than the McHale Center and that are drawing less in average attendance than the Wildcats are. There's some pretty good programs in there. Virginia, Wake Forest, Alabama. I mean, that's, I mean, call it what you will. I know it's a football school, but, hey, they spend a lot of money on their basketball program as well. Uh, Illinois, that's about as big as it gets. Like, their basketball program is considered to be much more popular than their football program is. BYU, they, they support everything that their teams do, the Cougars do. You got St. John's and Georgetown. That's just, that's just a few of them. It's, you know, I mean, look, Utah has been, has been pretty good, but they've been up and down. Uh, Wyoming is not a mecca for basketball. Penn State, you know, it's all about football there, not so much basketball. New Mexico is still a huge draw, but it is, nonetheless, it is UNM. That's a pretty stout list of teams whose fan bases are not pulling their weight for the team. Right? That's, a, that's a pretty long and lengthy list. And some, I mean, to have Virginia on that list, there were national championships there. Like, there's, there's a lot of banners hanging in that building. Illinois, really popular team. Their average attendance this year, 
at McHale Center, okay, just th- just this season is twelve thousand four eighty two, which is down about thirteen hundred from the previous two seasons. But remember, folks, the Wildcats have not played their Pac twelve schedule yet. Haven't played a whole lot of marquee games this year, so to speak. I mean, we got one Pac twelve game under our belt, and that was Washington, and that was a game that was rescheduled twice. So. Let's not rush to think that maybe Arizona has an attendance problem, especially when considering the trends across the country are way worse in several other markets and several other huge basketball markets than they are in Tucson. So why then are the players and the coaches making note of this? Why are they, why are they pleading with fans to come to the game? Number one, Players and coaches will always plead with the fans to come to games, regardless of whether you play in Tucson, Syracuse, uh, uh, you know, Chapel Hill, uh, Lexington. Doesn't matter where you play. Coaches and players are always like, "Come to the, you know, come to the games, come to the games." Because there's a, look, there's a lot of reasons why you want fans at the games. It's very obvious why. I don't have to tell you. So why are why is this particular? Because we didn't hear much from. Sean Miller and his players over the years pleading with fans to come to the games. They didn't really have to. There was, I mean, there was, they were averaging, you know, 13, five, 13, eight, uh, 14,000 fans a game. There's a few hundred people, a few hundred empty seats. It happens. Uh, and then against the, you know, the, in the big games, they, you know, they don't obviously they sell out every, you know, every chair in that, in that building. And then some, this is my, and, and this was my opinion from the get go. Because the people who are who are pleading with the fans right now in Tucson in that program, they've only seen like cherry picked crowds essentially. Okay, Tommy Lloyd, head coach, used to be at Gonzaga. Twenty years at Gonzaga, spent several times coming to the McHale Center. Said the crowds were just absolutely raucous, like huge crowds. It was an impossible building to play in. We know that because they didn't fare too well when they came to the McHale Center, did Gonzaga. Well, yeah, when you're a top 10 team and you have been one of the top schools in the country and you come in to play Arizona, you're you know number six in the country, number four in the country, whatever. You've got preseason All-American point guards, preseason All-American front court players. Yeah, people are going to show up for that game. And they've been damn good basketball games. The overtime game that we played against them at McHale Center is still one of the greatest games I've ever seen. It was amazing. Yeah, the fans were into it. Yeah, the the fans turned out for that. 14,545 in attendance that day and those three times that Gonzaga came to the McHale Center because Arizona was playing a top team. That's what the fans want to see. They want to see those top schools come in, and they want to see Arizona compete against the best. So, yeah, everybody in town is talking about it. This team also, remember, most of the, most of the players on this team, you know, guys like Kirk Creesa, first season was last year, no fans. So far this year, he's a little disappointed. I can understand that. Okay? He came to, you know, he, he grew up hearing stories from his dad about you know, 16,000 people at McHale Center screaming Steve Kerr whenever he'd hit a three-point shot. And Look, I get it. It was built up in his mind that this McHale Center, this this you know incredible swell of emotion uh, that the McHale Center was, I get it, and it's been maybe a little bit of a letdown for him. The COVID year sucked. There was no fans. I, I was there. I had to work those games. I had to announce those games. I was announcing for twenty five people in the building. <laughs> I mean, it was it was weird. You get fake crowd noise being pumped in, and it was it was just bizarre. 
It was a weird year. And now this year, with COVID still going, Omicron variant, there's, it's the, 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 the numbers are ridiculous. We've talked about it. The NFL had huge numbers. We've seen all the cancellations all throughout sports. To, last night in Toronto, there was no fans because Canada's not allowing fans in the stands. Arizona just had to, uh, you know, essentially amend their mask policies at the McHale Center. You now have to wear an approved surgical-style mask with the type of, uh, you know, proper filters, N95 filters and things like that. No more uh, just cloth, you know, gaiters over your face or whatever. Okay. It's a real thing, and people with COVID, thankfully, are not going out en masse to go and root on a basketball team. They're like, well, I can't go today because I got COVID, so I'm going to wait till next week or two weeks from now, whatever. So that has dipped into it a little bit as well. But also remember this. The games that Arizona has played on the road at Illinois and at Tennessee, first of all, those are two of the top 15 buildings in the country as far as attendance goes, okay? as far as maximum capacity. Illinois still not drawing near what Arizona does average per game in that building. It's a huge building, though, at Illinois. And that game was propped up to those people, to those fans. They, were, they handed out towels. They had the stripe out. It was, it was pandemonium. They, the marketing department spent all their money to and entertain the fans and get the fans riled up into a tizzy because they had big, bad Arizona coming to town. There's a rivalry there. People remember those past Arizona-Illinois games. I know I certainly do. Games that were played on neutral sites. Games that were played in tournaments. People remember that stuff. There's history there. And, of course, when you're in Champaign, Illinois, all that stuff gets talked about. So Arizona got Illinois' best crowd of the year. Period. End of story. They got Illinois' best crowd of the year. That's what they saw. It was a raucous environment that they had to go into, and they're thinking to themselves, man, this environment kills what we're getting at McHale Center. Well, no kidding. Who have we played at home? Who, like, who are we supposed to get excited about at home? Who's going to bring out the fans? Who is the, the marketing department going to roll out the red carpet for? Okay? Also, in Tennessee at Knoxville, Huge game because of who Arizona was at the time, coming in undefeated. It is, you know, there's been some, you know, some games that were canceled. Fans were finally able to go to watch a basketball game. They put 21,000 people in Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville that night. It was a raucous crowd. Again, their marketing department spent a ton of money bringing out all kinds of entertainment and halftime entertainment, and they they had the fans color out the you know color out the student section and all this other stuff. Like all these different promotions to get fans riled up into a tizzy for Big Bad Arizona coming to town. And Tommy and the players are in the middle of that thing, and they're going, God, this place is loud. It's amazing. The fans are incredible here. What a, what a scene. I wish we could get this at home. You will. Just be patient. It will happen. You haven't had a large enough sample size to be able to say our fans aren't pulling their weight, period. I get it. I feel the same way. I'm there, too. I'm somebody who works alongside the crowd. I'm kind of, you know, the, my position there, I'm, I'm the bridge between the officials and the crowd. That's, you know, I kind of work in concert with both entities. You know, I'm, I'm part, technically a part of the officiating crew. I have to make sure we get all the information out. And to the fans, it's still my job to rile them up with something exciting happens at the McHale Center. Okay? But it's hard to rile them up. When you're up 42 points <laughs> on, you know, Rio Grande Valley, Texas, like it, it, it's just you're not you're not going to get the reaction, you're not get the splash that you get 
when UCLA comes to town or when we play ASU or when a good Washington team comes to town or maybe just when you know you think all is lost a nine o'clock tip-off on a Thursday night against Colorado who's actually quite good this year may just yield you some of that response you've been looking for but again the samples that they've been given have been crazily tilted the opposite way because the two road teams they saw just gave their everything to, for their fans to come and help the team beat Arizona. And in Tommy Lloyd's history of being at the McHale Center were some of the biggest games that Sean Miller played at the McHale Center. So your sample is like this overblown, like, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing, and we haven't gotten that. Well, just hang on. You haven't gotten it yet. Let's also remember we're in the middle of a global pandemic here. So while I'm with them in trying to encourage the fans to come out, I want that because, I, listen, I remember those games too. I remember those Gonzaga games. I remember UCLA. I remember the, the, you know, the big ASU games and Bobby Hurley getting thrown out, of the, thrown out of the game and the fans just going berserk. It will happen. It will happen. Continue to play great basketball. Put a great product on the, on the court. Worry about what you're doing. And let the fans filter in and do their thing. It will happen. Trust me. Arizona fans are not just going to walk away from the basketball program. Not going to happen. The crown jewel of Tucson is not going to get lost in the dirt overnight. (laughs) Just be patient. It will happen. It's a great team that they've put together. It's an exciting product. Fans love to see the way this team plays. We'll get some opponents in there that are worthy (laughs) of the other 1,200 seats being filled. It will happen. All right, so that's my little take on that. I do not think that Arizona has an attendance problem. I think, I think Arizona is experiencing the same thing that every other program around the country is experiencing, a global pandemic. People can't go to the games. Uh, and also there's a lot of different ways to watch basketball. There's a lot of different ways to get your product at home if you want it. All right. When we return, we'll continue to stay in Tucson with the, the news as the Arizona football program gets another transfer portal commit. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Glad to be with you here till uh, 9 a.m. as we're here 7 to 9 every morning, every weekday morning. Uh, just a quick programming note once again, I will not be on the air this Friday. So Friday the 14th, I will not be on the air. And then uh, it is a station holiday on the 17th, Martin Luther King Day. We're observing on uh, the 17th on Monday. So we will not be on the air Monday. So tomorrow will be my last show of the week, and then I won't talk to you guys again until Tuesday and Tuesday we will have a million and three things that we want to discuss so be ready for that uh Arizona Wildcat football continues to win the offseason and when I say win the offseason I mean destroy their competition in the offseason and this does not equate wins this is not get Arizona to a bowl game all right don't don't you know let yourself get into that type of mode because 
Arizona still has to take all of these pieces, put it together into a team, and then actually go out and play games and score points and keep the other team out of the end zone a couple of times and hopefully win some football games, which is not going to happen overnight. But the roster, the complete roster overhaul that is being done by Jed Fish and his staff right now is incredibly impressive. Coming off a one-win season after a program being led by someone who could not have cared less to be in Tucson as the head coach of this football program, to be where they are today with the swell of, of you know, media information and all the social media stuff going on out there and all the excitement that he has brought to Tucson and to Wildcat fans all across the country, across the world for that matter, is it, it just cannot be understated. Arizona got another transfer yesterday from the transfer portal, this time another big one. You know, we talked about Jaden Delora, quarterback from Wazoo, the reigning Pac-12 freshman of the year. He's going to be coming to Arizona to compete for that starting quarterback job. Now they got another dude this time. You know, we talked Arizona needs to start beefing up their lines a little bit. They need to get bigger, stronger, faster in the trenches, more skilled in the trenches, and they did yesterday. They brought in, and I'm, I'm going to have some fun with this because I love poly names, Tia Oali'i Savea, the four-star recruit, 2021 four-star recruit, uh, was at UCLA, committed to UCLA for his freshman season, played his freshman year there in, in Los Angeles, and now will follow newly hired defensive coordinator Johnny Nansen to Tucson to play for, uh, to play for his defense. Now, uh, he, he goes by Tia, Tia Savea was the highest-rated defensive recruit that the Bruins had in their 2021 class. Now he's not there anymore. He's a Wildcat, which is <laughs> it's, it is so pleasing. It is, I, I can't even tell you. It feels so good to take good players, potentially great players, away from programs, not only in your own conference but in your own division, and programs that you compete with head-to-head on the recruiting trail specifically talking UCLA and USC, it feels so freaking good to take their players away from them. Like, I, I, it, it's so satisfying to me. And and let's remember this, that Arizona, when, when, uh, when Tia Savea announced that he was going to enter the, the transfer portal, which wasn't too long ago, Arizona was in an absolute dogfight with USC for Tia Savea. Uh, USC was going all out. I mean, because USC offered him really early. Um, they offered him as a, as a junior uh, to come to USC to play. And, you know, he had offers from USC, from Michigan. He had offers from LSU, from the schools in Florida, uh, Florida State, Miami. Like, he had offers from all the biggies, right? Um, and USC was really going after him. They lost him to UCLA. And I don't know if the recruiting ever stopped, to be honest with you, because they were fighting really hard to get him to transfer. But he decided to follow his original recruiter, Johnny Nansen, who uh, was, of course, at the uh, at UCLA as the defensive line coach, comes over here as the defensive coordinator, and he brings Tia Savea with him. So there's a lot to be excited about right now for Arizona football, and it's going to continue. Um, you know, Arizona's not done. There are offensive linemen out there in the transfer portal that are still deciding on where they are going to play their 2022 seasons and moving forward. But per our own Justin Spears, and he tweeted this out 
it must have been late last night uh, that he tweeted it out. These, he says, are Arizona's additions through the transfer portal for 2022. Quarterback Jaden Delora, Washington State, of course, Pac-12 freshman of the year. Defensive tackle Tia Savea from UCLA, who we just talked about. Linebacker Hunter Eccles from USC, which was a huge get for Arizona. Linebacker Anthony Solomon from Michigan. You've got UTEP wide receiver Jacob Cowing, who lit up their conference last year and put up some of the best numbers in the entire country as a wide receiver. And they also brought over UCLA safety DJ Warnell. Arizona is killing it right now. And I, I mean that in the very, uh, I, like, the most underwhelming term. Absolutely killing it in the recruiting process right now. Whether it be the 2022 freshman class, which was rated number 23 in the country, to now the influx of transfer portal players coming into Arizona, it is a remarkable turnaround for this program. And Jed Fish and his staff, they they just – they deserve so much. They are working so hard right now, and uh, I applaud their efforts. And it's just going to continue to get better. So a lot to be excited about revolving around Arizona football as they continue to find ways to improve their roster. It's going to be fun when when spring ball hits. It's going to be fun to look at the 2022 spring roster and compare it to the 2021 spring roster. And I can't wait to talk to my guy from the Atlanta Falcons, if he's still there probably will be if he's still there this season talk to him when i see him at practice in the you know in in the in the summer and find out what are his thoughts because when i talked to him last summer he didn't have very nice things to say about our (laughs) about our football team's roster i would like interesting to see what he says this year looking forward to that and we should all be looking forward to arizona football and if you're looking forward like me and i look i'm going to be renewing my season tickets in fact i may be adding a couple more and I'll be giving those away on the radio show just like I did this season. And uh, if you don't want to rely on winning them, you can get your own yourself and get your own uh, season tickets. And, look, they're on sale right now. And get excited about it and be ready for some great Arizona football coming up in the, uh, in the fall. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, more from the world of sports right here on ESPN Tucson. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Glad to be with you here for another 15, 17 minutes or so. We've uh, discussed plenty in the in the world of sports, mostly local stuff. We've done, uh, you know, we talked some Cardinals in hour number one with Tyler Drake from Arizona Sports, of course, our insider. We've done lots of uh, Arizona college basketball, Arizona football, and look, there's there's still a litany of things to get into um, in regards to not only just what's happening locally, but what's happening all across the country. You know, when you look at the the transfer portal and just the craziness that it is, immediately following. The national championship game, a a list of players have entered into the transfer portal from the two teams that were uh, adversaries in that game. Alabama, seven players from that Alabama squad entered the the NCAA transfer portal yesterday. Um, 
one of them being Jaleel Billingsley, who was a tight end who caught, I think he caught like 26 balls for, for Alabama this year. Pretty good player. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's one guy. They, they have uh, offensive lineman Tommy Brown, who's from the West Coast, who may be looking to move back to the West Coast, and I'm sure he'll have about 18 offers sitting on his uh, cell phone this morning. <laughs> because there are a lot of teams across the country, specifically on the West Coast, that need help on the offensive line. Hopefully, uh, Jed Fish and Brennan Carroll are uh, one of those messages that he's received as a possible uh, uh, landing spot for him. Georgia, the winners and the national champions, of course, have had uh, two players enter the portal. Um, defensive back Amir Speed, who started three games for the Bulldogs this year, had 13 tackles, and wide receiver Jalen Johnson, who caught three balls in uh in uh, had for, had 29 yards receiving in 14 games so not getting on the field was uh was him but uh, obviously when you recruit as well as Alabama and Georgia do it's easy to see why those guys would be highly highly coveted from other programs across the country it's almost like so KJ Simpson who is a name if if you go to the game at the McHale Center tomorrow night uh, and I hope you do. I would love to see you guys there. And, again, I always invite you. And, and I, I've had some people come down and introduce themselves to me. I, I love it. Trust me. It's, I'm more than happy to, to make your acquaintance. If you're at the game, if you arrive early enough to where I'm not on the microphone and making all my you know, announcements and stuff, which usually happened about 35 minutes before tip-off, if you're there early, come down and see me. Come down and say hello. I'm more than happy to meet you and your kids, your family, take some pictures, whatever you want. Um, happy to do it. Make yourself known. I, I would love to meet because I don't get a chance to meet you guys. I don't. I'm not like Spears and Ali in the afternoon, where they get out and about with the public and go to the sports bars and the, the breweries and able to eat great food and drink great beer and watch football and meet the fans and the listeners out there. I don't get a chance to do that. So um, I am more than happy to meet you guys if you come to the McHale Center and say hello. I love that. Um, so if you come to the to the game tomorrow night at the McHale Center against Colorado. K.J. Simpson is – he's kind of like their sixth man. He is – he's a, a backup uh, you know, ball handler guard, uh, one-two kind of combo guard that, uh, that Tad Boyle had brought in. Now, K.J. was an initial recruit of Sean Miller. Sean loved K.J. Simpson. He was ready to come to, uh, to Tucson to play for, uh, for the Wildcats. And then, you know, everything happened, of course. Sean Miller loses his job. Tommy Lloyd gets the job. Tommy and K.J. spoke and – you know, basically just had an amicable separation. It, it, KJ was not a player that, that Tommy had uh, had recruited. And so Tommy did the right thing by not saying like, oh, just, you know, try to stock up on the recruits. So, yeah, just come to Tucson. We'll be, we'll be fine. And you have a disgruntled player who should be getting playing time. Tommy did the right thing, handled his business the right way. One of the many reasons why I was 100% behind the hiring of Tommy Lloyd because he is that guy. So, K.J. Simpson, who had offers from a ton of other schools. One of them very heavily recruiting him was Tad Boyle at Colorado. Tad Boyle's reasoning behind that was, look, if you, if you, listen, if you talk to me long enough, without me just saying it you know, just straight out, you'll probably get a good idea for what my opinion of Tad Boyle is, uh, not only as, as a coach but as a person. I don't know him personally. So we're just going to stick to the coaching, but I would sit there and you know I've been I've been sitting there courtside for Arizona basketball for this is my eighth season now uh, as the PA announcer right there, 
and I get to see all the interaction that happens between the coaches and stuff. And it was fun to watch Tad Boyle sit there or stand there and watch Sean Miller the entire game. And, I mean, he would just – all eyes on Sean Miller and the, and the Wildcat bench to wait to see what Sean was going to do, and then he would react. So Sean would call out a play. You know, Sean would be like, you know, you know twist five, twist five or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Tad's like, twist five. He's telling his team, twist five, it's twist five. Get up here. And he's screaming. He would just wait for Sean to make his call, and then he would set his defense. Like, eh, eh, I don't know. Like, I, to me, I know you want to win a game, but come on, bro. Like, <laughs> like that, that's how you want to be? You wouldn't just sit there and wait for the coach to do your job for you, the opposing coach to do your job for you just so – yeah, you've watched film on it and stuff like that. You know how to defend that particular play. Uh, you know, a five twist. Or, you know, they're going to go back door to the center. You know, and all that kind of stuff. You need you need a, you need a power forward there to kind of hang out and wait to take a charge or get a block or something like that. It, you know, it's like I, I, that's just like one of the little many things that just gnaw at me about Tad Boyle. So, <laughs> look, this happened. This happened so many times. Like, Arizona would go – Sean Miller would go watch a, a particular player in a high school game or whatever, and it would get shown on social media that, hey, you know, Sean Miller's here checking out uh, so-and-so. And it's very well known that Sean Miller is a very high evaluator of talent in basketball. If Sean Miller says you can play, you can play, okay? Everyone across the country knows this. If Sean Miller thinks a guy is a good basketball player, chances are very high that he's a very good basketball player. Tad Boyle also knows this. So it was, it was like clockwork. I swear to God, it, it's happened like over the last seven, eight years. I've watched this happen. You'd see Sean Miller appear at a high school basketball game, and then all of a sudden the next basketball game, guess who's there? Tad Boyle. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Like, he is constantly just, like, it's almost like riding the coattails. It's hilarious. Like, it's, it's silly, but it's hilarious at the same time and all this other stuff. Anyway, Tad Boyle, as soon as Arizona offered K.J. Simpson, Tad Boyle jumped in with an offer, too. Me, too. I want want K.J. Simpson, yes, come to Boulder, Colorado and play for me and watch me watch the other coach and try to figure out how we're going to win this game. So it it is not a surprise that K.J. Simpson is now in Boulder playing for the Buffs under Tad Boyle because as soon as Sean was let go and as soon as – there's that kind of like, you know, no contact period. Like if, if, a, if a program goes through a change, you can't contact players for a certain amount of time according to NCAA bylaws and all this other stuff. So as soon as that period ended, he started, his phone started blowing up. Tad Boyle calling him, calling him, calling him, calling him, calling him. And lo and behold, he went to go play for Tad Boyle. And that's fine. Look, Tad puts together a good program. Obviously, they win a lot of games. They're 11-3 and three right now. They're playing well. Um, they've had some good legacy players there at uh, at Colorado, and playing in Boulder is a very difficult place to win. So they're going to be able to win a lot of home games and stuff. And Tad has put some guys in the NBA, you know. And, and Tad is, you know, he's that kind of a guy. It just it's 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 just it, once again, it's like, oh look, KJ Simpson is uh, is playing pretty well for Colorado. I'm not surprised because he's a good basketball player. And then of course Tad, when he was asked about KJ Simpson, he literally said it. He said, you know. Sean Miller is a great evaluator of talent, so it was easy for us to target K.J. Simpson to bring him here to Boulder. (laughs) So at least he's admitting it now, which I think is still funny. All right, we're going to enjoy that game tomorrow. I always enjoy 
when Arizona plays Colorado because I just really like beating Tad Boyle. Just it's a it's a good time for me. I enjoy that very much. And it it sucked when I was on the road when I was with Brian uh, doing the radio call when I was doing color work with with the uh, with the team for those three years on the road and. Arizona got upset by Colorado in Boulder. That was the day, that was the night that Caleb Tarzuski got punched in the back by a fan. I got stepped on by a fan because they were climbing over the the radio booth to to try to get onto the court. Uh, somebody stole my water. I'm like, hey, that's my water. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with my water? I, I whatever. So uh, yeah, I I really enjoy Colorado is one of the one of the teams that I really enjoy beating in the Pac-12. So looking forward to uh, what Tommy Lloyd and the and the team can do after you know, what's seemingly an extremely long layoff uh, in college basketball right now. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. I tell you what, you know, I, I'm I'm critical of the fans in Tucson at times because I, I do believe that they are a little too much of a knee-jerk reaction crowd. As soon as Arizona basketball loses the game, everybody wants to jump off into the Rito River. I get it. <laughs> you're you're passionate fans, but I tell you what, man. When <laughs> I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, when when the beat writer for Kansas basketball said that Bill Self is looking for. Uh, a basketball game. Kansas wants to, Kansas wants to play a game. They've had too many games canceled. They want to play somebody. And there were seventy. I think it was seventy at the time that I checked. It was seventy-seven comments under this writer's thread, and seventy-two of them were Wildcat fans being like, "Play us, let's go." It's 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 awesome. It happened again yesterday. This time, it was that weasel Mark Schlebaugh who peeked his head out from the weeds, who still can't tweet his own stuff on Twitter, so he has to get other people to do it for him. Because ESPN has basically told him, you can't do that because you're going to get us sued. Um, because of your, obviously, people are familiar with all the problems that have happened with uh, with Schleyball over the uh, over the uh, last few years. Um, and so he put out, or well, he is an article written on his way too early college football top twenty five, much like I did yesterday as well. And so he was having his constituents at ESPN basically tweet out his article for him and in, in one in one particular instance the one that i saw the first one that i saw i clicked on it i was like this should be fun clicked on the comment section there were i think 38 comments i think the the, the tweet was like an hour old there were like 38 comments on there and i swear to god all 38 of the comments on there were wildcat fans basically asking hey why can't you tweet out your own articles gosh why is it that espn has to have you has to have other people tweet out your articles for you when are you going to apologize to the university of arizona basketball program i mean like it was a it was every single comment was from an arizona fan it wasn't there wasn't a single comment from somebody in nebraska being like oh you gotta put the corn huskers in the top 20 we got this and that not one not one it was all Wildcat fans giving a big middle finger to ESPN and Mark Schlebaugh, specifically Mark Schlebaugh. 
it it is it is hilarious to me how pa- Wildcat fans, y'all are petty and you don't forget, and I'm here for it. You hold grudges, and I'm all about that. Like, let them have it. It is great. I had a I had a, a great time just reading through those comments. Wildcat fans, man, I love you guys. <laughs> it's it is top notch stuff. Can't wait till the next one that happens. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I want to thank Tyler Drake from Arizona Sports, our Cardinals insider, for joining us as he does every single Wednesday this morning. Check him out at tdrake for sports And, of course, thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air today and doing all the right things. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in today from 7 to 9. Tune in for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. I'm sure they'll have plenty of fun things going on as well. And I will see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.